So it's uh, it's an autumn day. Autumn. Afternoon. Oh, nice. Kind of almost late evening. Okay. I'm standing on the cliffs of Sydney, looking out to sea, and I see a cargo vessel with helicopters and speedboats zipping around it all over the place. It was like full on. Intense. There were guys going down ropes, yeah. landing on the deck. Right. And I just went, what the hell is going on? North Korea was going on in our backyard. Really? Yeah. It was called the Pong Su Incident. Can't wait. You're listening to I Spy, the bad haircut of Australian intelligence. I just can't do anything with it on a day like today. You need a bowl. Yeah, it's true. A just bowl. Put a bowl and get my scissors. Hello and welcome to I Spy. I'm Michelle Stevenson. I'm with David Callum. Surely you know what it is we do right sure, now. Sure, yeah. Come yes, on. Yes, I know. am a journalist. A journal, a very good journalist. A good journalist. Brilliant journalist. A brilliant. I'm an idiot. A professional idiot. A very good idiot. Ex-ASIO intelligence officer. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk about North Korea. North Korea, because it's like, it is really fascinating. There is so much to unpack here. But there is so much we don't know. I know. And that's what I like. Because under wraps. And the weird thing was, uh, as I was saying, the Pong Su incident, which was this ship, the Pong Su, that was- The Pong Su. Was stopped by the Australian, a combination of the Australian police and the East-West TAG, tactical response group type thing. These guys jumped on this ship because they'd been following it around for ages because they thought it had heroin on it. And it did. It had a, this is the drug trade measure for it, a shit ton of heroin on it. I mean, that is pretty much how we describe it when there's ever big drug bust on the news. When the feds are standing there and they've got that square of cocaine. It's a shit ton of coke. It's a shit ton, yeah. Yeah. So there's this shit ton of coke, but there was one other thing on that boat that made it really interesting. What? It was a political officer from the North Korean government. Right. An intelligence officer, essentially. So he's undercover? Oh, well, who knows? With Korea, with North Korea, it can be anything. Right. right? But essentially, if this guy is on board ship, yep. this is a government-sanctioned exercise. Now, of course, the North Korean government turned around afterwards and went, hey, oh, no, 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 nothing to do with us, man. This was a private exercise. For anything to be a private exercise in North Korea, Yep. It's a government exercise. Right. And that's how they make their money. I mean, they, um, Korea is heavily sanctioned. Let's talk. You want to know about Korea? Yes. Right. Korea is- North Korea. North Korea. Yeah. Right, because there's two Koreas. Yes, there there's is. North Korea. Well, first there's South Korea, which has like Samsung and K-pop. Yes. And then you We have, like South Korea. And we like South Korea. Well, we've got to go to South Korea. There's an interesting story about that yeah. too. We'll do that at the end. But there's North Korea, which is a communist Confucian dynastic- Dictatorship. I mean, I just thought that they were under a heavy, heavy rule. Yeah, but it is technically a communist Confucian dynastic dictatorship. Okay. Communist, it is for the good of all. Yes. Confucian, a very, very strong patriarchal family bent. Yeah. Right? We're talking family now. Yeah. Dynastic, one particular family, and dictatorship, that family rules. And that family okay. is the Kim family. Yes. Right. Uh, it started with Kim Il-sung, who was a firebrand communist leader who fought the Japanese. Well, technically he probably didn't. He was mm. probably hiding in Moscow at 100%. the time. 100%. While the Japanese held the Korean Peninsula. And then at the end of World War Two. God bless them and what all good governments do. Go, we have this one country and we're not sure what to do with it. Why, you know, the Soviets are communist, the Americans are democratic. What do we do? Let's cut it in half at the 38th parallel. 
Right. Right. Why the 38th parallel? Because that's pretty much the middle of the country. Okay. Right. So they went, cut it off at the 38th parallel, and then, of course, Kim Il-sung was put in power in the in North Korea, and he was heavily communist, yep. uh, Leninist communist, so that's real hardcore, or, well, Stalinist pretty much. And then the South was, hey, let's be a republic of kind of democratic Americans. Yeah. They've still got their issues, but let's focus on the North Koreans. And then, of course, the family took over. Yeah. Kim Il-sung was followed by Kim Jong-il. Yes. Uh, I used to describe him, when I was doing my live I Spy show, I used to describe him as the Richard Wilkins of politics. Why? Of global politics. Bad haircut that will do anything for publicity. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And then he was succeeded by Kim, Kim Jong-un. Now, the big thing was when Kim Jong-il became the leader, yeah. Kim Il-sung, although he was dead, it was not taken away as leader. He remained the dear leader. Oh. And he became a divine entity within the country. Oh, my gosh. So essentially, the, the Koreans, and don't get me wrong, this isn't a, yeah, 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 he's got not a problem. The Koreans are taught from birth that Kim Il-sung is literally a god. He is a divine figure right. in the Confucianist style, right? So we have this incredible country that is just like totally mind, like totally brainwashed. Well, I mean, it's brainwashed, but also there's a huge part of them that are a shit scared. They're well, afraid. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they, oh, they well. do grow up in this society where they're, they're told that this is the way it is. Yeah. And if you've, if you've seen any of the videos, it's quite intense watching them sing together and like God damn, can together. those boys march. Yeah. And, and girls, they can march too. 100%. But how much of it is... is Terror? Terror, yes. Well, let's let's talk about that. That's an interesting point. Now, the military is a pretty big deal yes. in Korea. Let's put it this way. Uh, the biggest military in the world is the Chinese. Yep. The next biggest is the Indian. The next biggest is the United States of America. Now, we're talking about countries with either a billion people or hundreds mm. of millions of people. The fourth is North Korea. Yeah. North Korea has got a population not much more than Australia, and they have 1.3 million people under arms. That's guys with guns in their hands yeah. ready to go, plus another 4.7, maybe 5 million people that are ready to come in as reservists and giving logistic support. So this is a country that is heavily armed, right? The military runs the place. Yes. Well, the military runs the place, but the person who runs the military is Kim Jong-un. And Kim Jong-un is not nice at all. He's not. No, not at all. I mean, we've seen what he did to his brother. Oh, yes. So that was Kim Jong-nam. Uh, now, Kim Jong-nam had been living in exile. In exile, yes. He was living in he was exile. Living in exile. He, was, he was having a good time. Well, the thing was he, he got kicked out of the country. Well, he got into trouble because he went to Japan to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Not kidding you. That's why he was yeah. in big trouble. He went to Disneyland. Because um, that's, you know, that's a total Americanization right yeah, there. Yeah, but here's the thing. All of the, the Kim family children and, mm. you know, the, the whole sort of like ruling dynasty, the ruling elite, all of their children are educated overseas, mm. generally in somewhere like either England or Switzerland. South Korea, sending your child to an English school is very, very popular. In North Korea, Switzerland, right? right. Now, the thing was there was King John Nam who was killed in, I think it was the Malaysian airport by a couple of girls who sprayed him with nerve gas, yeah. who then turned around and said, we thought we were just hired to do a prank, but he was killed by the North it Korean was, And it was a horrific death. To oh, Terrible. Well, you want really bad death? And in death? public, yeah. so public. In public. In, in, he died in the toilet. Yeah. Gross. Now, the one that's really creepy was Kim Jong-un's right-hand man, also uncle, brother-in-law to his father, yes. right, all this guy, Jang Song-thyak. 
Yep. Zhang Songthik was uh, literally the 2IC of the country. Yep. It is rumoured that he was put to death by being stripped naked and fed to a pack of 120 starved dogs. I mean, well, if you're going to go, that's such a pleasant way yeah. to do it. Now, that was that came out of a very biased against North Korea Chinese newspaper. Yeah. What probably happened was he was shot. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about that was two of his two of the people that worked for him, two of his underlings were also killed in front of him by being shot with anti-aircraft guns. Oh my gosh. Yeah, their bodies were literally ripped apart and then their bodies were destroyed with flamethrowers. Mm. But this is the level of intensity these guys Yeah, get. and I, I do feel like Kim Jong un really kind of stepped it up a notch when he, oh, took, oh, when oh, he came oh, into power. Because yeah, Kim Jong il wasn't that bad. Uh, Kim Jong il, yeah. I mean, he was bad. He was pretty bad. He was pretty bad. But I feel like Kim Jong un is like, oh, I will take you a repressive regime and raise you a repressive crazy regime. Now, let's talk about Kim Jong-il because it also tells us about Thiek, which also tells us about Un. Right. right. Everyone following this? Good. Yes. Right. So here's the thing. Kim Jong-il and Jang Song Thak were very close. Yeah. And Kim Jong-il would get Thiek to go overseas to collect things for him like foie gras and caviar and <laughs> French cognac and, of course, Japanese electronics. Right. They love these Japanese electronics. And what happened was he'd go out and do this, but he would, when he was overseas, he'd get really drunk. And while he was drunk, he'd bemoan the fact that he was spending all of this money on luxury items when the people back in Korea oh, so were he had a starving. Conscience. Well, he had a very morose conscience. And, you know, so he'd get drunk. And the thing was, he was also famous. Uh, Thiak was also famous for having these huge dinners yeah. that would go for days. And while they're doing that, you know, of course, in would come the Korean opera and they'd all sing for them. And then would come dancing girls and do yeah. a can can. And then when he'd come with these girls that would sing Western songs. And then in would come the strippers. Yeah. And then when in would come the pleasure women. Right. So these guys lived in the lap of luxury while at the same time their country is starving. Literally starving. Yeah. And it, it's kind of – it goes to – I mean, communism starts out in the right place. Oh. But as we've seen, like in, you know, Russia. Russia. And China. China. Um, there were parts of those countries that just were starving, literally starving and yeah. working towards the greater good but like – there was such a discrepancy between who had what and exactly. who didn't. The humanitarian crisis that has constantly rolled around yeah. in North Korea is dreadful. Now, the problem we have with Korea is it is called the Hermit Kingdom. Mm. It is girdled by, and you'll love this, it's China. Mainly it's, it shares its border with China and mm. it shares a border with South Korea, which has then got a demilitarised yes. zone in it, which essentially there are more landmines there than pretty much been used in any other war ever. Which it's, is insane. It's, it's a nightmare. But also there's a uh, an 11-mile, 18-kilometre border with Russia. Yep. And this is really important because when North Korea first formed, it was a very, very Russian place. Russia yes. gave, supplied it all and looked after it and took care of it until the war in 1950 to 1953, brutal war, where they invaded South Korea. South Korea fought back with the help of the United States, the British, and let's put our hands up, the Australians. Yep. We went in there, fought them back, and then the Chinese came in to try and help because they were going to lose. The North Koreans were about to lose. Mm. China came in, and eventually it all wound up going, can we just sign off on the 38th parallel and leave it there? And that's why in the demilitarized zone there is that weird little place with that weird little room that has the two sides of Korea in it. And there's that beautiful photo you see of Julia Gillard when she visited it. 
she was standing there and there's a guard looking at her. Like it's like a guy in a zoo looking yeah. into a monkey cage. It was crazy. It's this incredible melting pot sort of military tension. But the Russians got a bit sick of it. They got yeah. a bit sick of the, the Koreans. The Chinese are getting sick of the Koreans. The South Koreans are getting sick of the Koreans. <laughs> and, of course, sick of the Koreans. just across the Sea of Japan, Japan, which, let's be honest, did some pretty nasty things in Korea. Yeah. They're sick of the Koreans as well. Everyone's sick of the Koreans. So here we have Kim Jong-un running this country. That is quite insane. And the thing is, it's never really improved. The no. Big, now. They're, they're consistently been in poverty. Yeah. They just do incredibly badly. But it's it's also because they're not really open to any other country. Well, we've kind of shut them down as well. Yeah. Now, let's put it this way. We had a big war with them. We were a part of a war that ended in 1953. Mm-hmm. It hasn't ended. Right. We are still technically at war with North Korea because North Korea, the Democratic Republic, oh, People's Republic of Korea, mm-hmm. the DPRK, there was never a treaty signed. There was never a, there was a ceasefire, an yeah. armistice, but a treaty was never signed. Right. The war is not over, technically. Right. Technically. They're still at war with South Korea. They're still at war with America and they're still at war with Australia. And they, they kind of are. Yeah. So what do they do? What are they going to do? They're going to build nukes. Yep. And we're kind of in the firing line. Well, pretty much after their last missile launch, everyone's in the firing yep. line. They can get a missile pretty much anywhere. Is it going to, you know, it's, is it a Samsung missile? <laughs> or, or, or is it like a a, a a knockoff brand missile? We're not sure. Uh, there was a great thing is they always have those great parades where, you know, you have the, those incredible marching troops. Yeah. Literally, there's not a person goes wrong because they know that if they go wrong, it's the anti-aircraft gun for you. So they march along and then the missiles come out. The interesting thing is you talk to military specialists and they're like, no, that's not a missile. No, that will not fly. It's like, no, that's probably made out of cardboard. Just and props, props. Yeah, it's props. It's all props. Yep. It's all for show. It's all for show. And they do do a lot of stuff for show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But every time they go, we're going to reopen the uh, the reactor at Pyongyang or whatever it is, the governments of the world go, right, sanction, and they shut down their economic ability yes. completely. So what happens? What are they going to do to make money? They're going to... Drug drugs. Heroin. <laughs> Heroin's a big one. Here's the other yeah. one. Weapons. Right. Now the Russians had a trade deal with them for weapons and they sort of showed them how to make Kalashnikovs. Great. And then went, hang on, no, 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 we're not going to sell you any more weapons. The thing is, in the Iran Iraq war, about ninety percent of Iran's weapons came from North Korea. Right. And then there is a there's a wonderful story. In fact, we're gonna do a mini episode on this guy because I can't remember his name, but he was known as the father of nuclear proliferation. Nuclear prolification. Nuclear proliferation. Nuclear proliferation. Nuclear proliferation. I yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, I I can if I do it with an English accent. Nuclear proliferation. And I can't say it in my normal accent. <laughs> Nuclear proliferation. Nuclear proliferation. Yeah, right. Okay. So he was going to know as the grandfather of that. He worked for the Pakistanis on their program. Yep. And then he went, oh, I might go freelance. And he showed. As most nuclear proliferate. <laughs> Don't even worry about that. Nuclear prophylactics. Yeah. Uh, so basically he showed the, the Koreans how to make atomic bombs. Right. And boom, they do. Quite literally. Quite boom. literally, boom. Yeah. Now they've set off six. 
Yes. Right. And then they said, we're not going to set off anymore. Everyone relax. We're not going to set off anymore. The problem is, it's like once you set off six, you don't really need to set off anymore. You know how if your bomb works or not. You know if your design works. That's why you set off nukes and then you stop. And then it all becomes computers. So they do it all on computer modeling yeah. and they go, what if we tweak the uh, the detonation this way? What will it do? Yeah. Does you- North Korea have their shit together, though, for all of this? Oh, Yes. Right. Yeah, they do. They've got the missiles. They've now got missiles. Oh, they've got the missiles that they could put the warheads on, though no one's really sure if they'd work. Yes, is Australia in the firing line? Yes, Darwin is a problem. And they would hit Darwin because we've got Marines in it. But here's the thing. They're really good with computers. Mm. Like really good with computers. They are the cyber warfare specialists. Right. And that's so much so that at the last big military procession in Pyongyang, in the capital, where everyone's marching really well and people are holding up the banners and making pictures, like human pixels, they made an announcement that they were increasing the funding for their cyber warfare unit. That is tantamount to wheeling the missile, the cyber warfare missile, out in front of the dear leader and then down the street, right? Cyber warfare is huge for them. It's kind of where we're at. And they're really, really good at it. Right. Because they do it in a really clever way. One thing is they go to – there is a university there, the Kim Il-sung Military Academy. They go to that university and they specialise in cyber. And then they leave there and they go to, say, the Hainan Institute of Technology. I've just (laughs) – Mongolian mouth mumbling my way through this. Yeah. The Hainan Institute of Technology (laughs) in China – to then work on their specialisation in cyber warfare, then they come back. Now, they reckon they create about 100 hackers a year through this program. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 100. That's intense. Now, guess how they how they really hack things? You're going to love this. I think this is brilliant. Facebook? No. How? They go into the Microsoft operating system yep. and find the flaws. Right. That's it. They and find they, the they little flaws. They find the flaws that they can hack into. Yeah, they, they find okay. the little flaws they can hack into. And away they go. Now you think, oh, how bad can it be? So every time I hit the keyboard, instead of a W, I get a, an apostrophe. No. These are little windows that they find that they can literally slip inside the system and right. completely shut it down to one point where they shut down the British health system for about a week where they just locked it. And when if you don't put the right password in, we're going to crash your system. So essentially it's like either fix your, you know, either find the right password or pay up. Right. So again, they're using it for blackmail. It's yeah. not just intelligence gathering. So this is how they get earning money. Yeah. Drugs, cyber warfare. Drugs, cyber warfare, yeah. weapons. And this is, well, the drugs specifically is how they ended up in Australia. Yeah. Now, here's the the thing that I really like about it. There is also tales of like military advisors turning mm. around going, look, we've got a starving population. Maybe we shouldn't be growing the opium poppies. Maybe we should grow food. I mean, that would make sense to me. The response was, yeah, but the money we make off the heroin, we can buy food. Only they don't. They buy more missile technology. Yeah, and also I would doubt that they'd be buying food for everyone. Yeah. Now, here's the problem with North Korea. How the hell do you get into North Korea to spy on them? Well, you uh, you act as a university lecturer. <laughs> Let's stop just a minute here. Okay, point one. We have no embassy there. No, I know. No, right. So we, if, if you're in North Korea and you get into trouble, mm. well, if you're in North you're Korea screwed. and you get into trouble – you're pretty much screwed. I mean, and we saw that with, like, the American student who- Well, there's the Australian one as well. Yes, but the um, American student ended up dead. He died of a coma. Yeah. There was Alex Sig- Sigley who was um, 
he was regarded as spreading propaganda and not showing due courtesy and respect to the dear leader. Basically, they can just make anything up. Well, here's the thing. As a tourist, if you go in, I'm a very good friend of mine, a friend of the podcast, Charles Firth from The Chaser, he'd gone into South Korea, into North Korea mm. on, this is brilliant, on an arts grant. Yes. He went in there and he wound up doing rubbings, like rubbings on the side of steam engines. They still run steam trains. Crazy. Right. So he was there and he said that, you know, you literally couldn't sneeze without somebody watching you. Mm. When as soon as you're in the country, you're on a tour and that tour is run by the country. Yeah. You do not deviate from that tour. You eat where they tell you to eat. You shop where they tell you to shop. You lay wreaths at the memorials they tell you to lay the wreaths at. You do not take selfies in front of the dear leader with a, hey, you go on top. Yeah. Look, you are all due deference, all due respect. If you do something wrong, not only you are in trouble, they'll take it out on your guide as well. So why would they allow people to come in? Because they're a wonderful country. Okay. Right? That's part of the propaganda. Look mm. at this beautiful place where you live. Look at these modern buildings. Look at this wonderful- Now go home park. and tell everyone. Now go home and tell everyone. And by the way, if you saw anything out the plane window that was untoward, don't tell anyone. No. So that's the thing. It's yep. a really, really closed country. Mm. And also, as a Westerner, you will stick out like a sore thumb. 100%. So, right. So how do you get your intelligence? Uh, I don't know. Who does not stick out like a sore thumb in Korea? Koreans. Correct. Right. <laughs> so somehow you've got to get a South Korean into North Korea in a position where they can work or as a South Korean, you've got to somehow turn a North Korean asset. Well, that would be difficult. Really, really hard. Yeah. Right. Now, America has lots of satellite technology and look, they're working on their cyber game as well to try and reverse engineer the attacks yep. that are coming into them. But the bottom line is because it is such an isolated country, because it is so tightly controlled, it's virtually impossible to have spies. Right. Now, how many spies do you think are in uh, from North Korea are in Australia? I wouldn't even know. No one would because right. they don't have an embassy here. Now, why would they have spies? Well, here's an interesting thing. We have caught a Korean spy. Really? Yes. South Korean. Right. Yes. Now, you go, hang on, they're on our side. Well, in intelligence, no, no one is on your side, yes. right? You're not Every, on anyone's side. No one's on anyone's side. Yep. Everyone's trying to work it. Now, the interesting thing was this was trade intelligence they were trying to find. Mm. Australia was in the middle of a negotiation with South Korea and basically they it was a, a visiting professor who had basically turned around to – was trying to recruit Australian government officials yep. and a few government officials lost their security clearance because of it. Wow. Yeah. It oh, must yeah, have been yeah. good. Now, oh, he was good, but the thing was once they exposed him, ASIO, well done, boys, love your work. ASIO exposed this guy. But the big thing was they don't, didn't want to declare him persona non grata. They didn't want to make a diplomatic incident out of it. Right. Because why? We're in the middle of a trade negotiation right. and we don't want to upset the apple cart. So essentially they took him to court. Court? They took him to court. They Formal made grounds. a of uh, yeah. Um, I think it was uh, dealing in secure information. Right. It was a very obscure little court case, and yeah. it was very sort of like snuck off to the the side there. Mm. We don't want to really look at that. Nobody wanted anyone to be upset by it. Yeah, because we've got to get this trade deal with Korea happening, and sure enough, we did. But you know, anything like that. What the other thing was, if we declared it persona non grata and made it a public issue, what would have happened then was it would have made a it. You've lost your bargaining chip. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's like this guy looking at Australian, trying to get Australian trade intelligence mm. is pretty much the same as us bugging the embassy in, or the cabinet room in Dili yep. during the Timor 
negotiations. We want information so we can get yeah. a better ga- bargaining chip. Now, we caught you out. So what's more so likely? give us the information. It's like, well, the, the big thing was we caught your guy yeah. and we're not going to go public. So what are you going to do for us? So it's that whole thing of, you know, it's tit for tat and the whole ball yeah. Now, have you Now, have we ever caught a North Korean? Not that I know of. In my experience when I worked at ASIO, again, North Korea was a tiny, tiny target. We didn't really think about it simply because it was literally contained by China, South Korea and Russia. It was I would- I would, kind of I would also imagine that North Koreans don't really travel a lot. No, they don't get out of the they don't get out of the house. No, they don't uh, leave the house. They don't get out of the house very much. And yeah. again, we don't know what's going on in there. Yeah. They, and they are taught not to know what's going on out here. Like if, if a North Korean got overseas, they'd be like, what, "Why what would is I this go back?" World that I'm in. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. There's about 159. I think it was. I was looking at statistics last night. It's like 159 asylum seekers in Australia from North Korea. Right. So they've escaped North Korea to South Korea. Would they have any information? Maybe. And there's a very good chance that when they get here, I mean, they would have been heavily debriefed by the South Koreans. When they get here, we debrief them as well. But the bottom line is, it's also, imagine the culture shock of leaving a country that is so tightly wound up. Yes. And then you, imagine walking out of- Especially Australia. Yeah. We're so free. God, walk out of Pyongyang and into Seoul. It'd be like literally stepping into a video game. 100%. So what about this, what about the boat? The boat. Well, the boat, of course, the heron was taken off the boat. Uh, yeah. There were photos of people standing, t- you know, policemen going, shit done. Yeah. And then the boat was put in a little bay somewhere for a couple of years. Right. It was just sat there. They were, what are we going to do with this? We've got a boat. We, we, we don't know what to do with it. It was full of heroin. Then they realised it's costing us about 2000 bucks a day to keep this thing afloat. Right. All right. And you know what? It, it would have made your father's heart sing. Uh, as an F-111 sent a laser-guided bomb straight into the side of it. They went, let's see what a bomb does to it. Just sink it. They shot it. Right. And what it would have done, they would have shot it, sunk it in such a way that it would sink to the bottom of this bay and then they would have gone, uh, anybody want to dive a wreck? Yes. Right, which is a you know, which is what they do a lot around here. They do that a lot. They yeah. sink a boat and there it was. So, yeah, it was sunk. Now, the great thing, what happened to the people on board? That's what I want to know. Mm, yes. They went home. Went home. They went home. How come? We didn't want them and they did. Bottom line is it's better uh, for us to get rid of them than keep right. them here. Why? Well, one, we've got to look after them. Two, that means North Korea is going to go, oh, right, you're going to do that. Next Australian who walks across the border, we're going to grab right. them yeah, and yeah, nab yeah. them for whatever we that. damn well feel like. Yeah. Right? As, you know, well, he did not you know, dip his lid or curtsy in front of the statue of Kim Il-sung. Right? But, but prison. Yeah. Let's give him a coma. Get the dogs out. Yeah, which um, is what they like to do. Load the anti-aircraft gun. You know, make <laughs> you feel bad. Uh, until you go, look, just have your, your your three sailors and your political officer. When they got home, I can't imagine their life would be really good. So if you get if you get busted, you're done. Oh, well, who knows? They might turn around and go, guys, great work. Yeah. Spot on job. Yeah, there's a re-education camp over there if you wouldn't mind stepping <laughs> in there. Or, Take a seat. Yeah, here's a swab. Can you go and clean the reactor for us, please? Yeah. So, look, North Korea, the, the biggest problem with North Korea other than Kim Jong-un, oh, and I didn't mention his sister. Oh, who is now the two I see, but like she's literally the brains of the outfit. She's but, a hard ass. Uh, yeah, and her name is Kim Yo-jong. Yeah. Kim Yo Jong. She's literally, everyone regards her as quite the genius, but she will never, ever, ever become the leader. 
Because she's female. Because she's a girl. And that is where we'll wrap it up because that makes complete sense. Yeah, doesn't it, Just Yeah, like confusion. Always, always the sidelines. Yeah, it's always, sorry. Yeah, always the bridesmaid. Never the bride. Oh, dear. <laughs>